Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com, where you can go to sunburymotors.com and check out the great line of Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai pre owned inventory. Great deals available. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. All at sunburymotors.com. Play-by-play call of the day. Carson's also on the field. He puts right. He fumbles it. He gives it away. Do you believe that? Holy cow. Wow. Garrett Taylor off the fumble caused by Micah Parsons. Michael Parsons had an incredible cotton bowl that day in Arlington with three tackles for losses, two forced fumbles, and a brilliant performance of being the defensive MVP of the game. Very pleased to be joined by Dr. Robert Lombardi, PIAA. Bob, how have you been? I hope you and yours have been safe and sound. Oh, thanks for having us, Steve. We're all good. Thanks for asking. Well, let's let's start with this. Uh, on a voluntary basis, people can get back to working out. Uh, how discuss how painstaking it has been to make sure that you have the best plan possible, even though we all know because it's a virus, it can't be perfect. Well, it's, it's, that's the challenge, and I think our sport medicine committee uh, was clairvoyant by t- having, uh, making the recommendation to the board to let each school m- make their own individualized assessment and then make their own individualized plan because one size doesn't fit all. We have a number of schools that, you know, are quite small. They only yeah. have a limited number of, of sports. And then you have, you know, schools the size of uh, State College right in your backyard or North Penn or... North Allegheny, and that's a different dynamic. So I think that's been helpful, and I think putting it in the hands of the local administrators, they know their community, they know their people the best, they know the health care available to them. If they have ATCs on on staff, if they have nurses, if they, of course, their head uh, physician. So involving all them in the plan, I think, has been a, a great thing. And also being able to put out some guidance from CDC, uh, UPMC, uh, the NFHS as template, I think is very helpful. Because you just talked, Bob, about the really diversity of the state. I mean, with all due respect, this is not trying to administer rules in Rhode Island or Delaware. I mean, this is a huge, <laughs> diverse state. And I say that with all due respect to two great states. Uh, it's, it's, how important was it that it didn't have to be one size fit all and that that local administrators felt like they were involved in the decision? I think that's crucial, Steve, because, yes, they are involved. They can tailor it to what their needs are. 
And the other part of that is, uh, you know, you, you sure don't want somebody sitting in Harrisburg that's uh, trying to put together a plan, and they may not know the local community of the State College area or or the Clearfield area or the Shemokin area, and they come up with a plan that's so restrictive that they can't comply with it. So having the local information to dovetail to the individual needs allows for the success of that program, and that's what we need here. We need success. We need people to be able to find out best practices, and we've got 10 weeks, 8 weeks to get this going in good shape because the setbacks may hinder the opportunity to start the fall on time, and nobody wants that. So I think that input is vital. Obviously, nobody knows what the landscape will look like on July the 16th. <laughs> but how different is life compared to March 16th, April 16th, and May 16th, where you feel like you can move forward because life has changed each one of those months? Yeah, you're right. On May 13th, the governor closed the schools. Uh, for two weeks, and then subsequently closed them for the rest of the year. So you that's why last Wednesday was such a big day for everyone. When, yeah. when the governor came out with some guidelines, just think of all that pent-up energy. And the thing that uh, <laughs> we were concerned with is we were hearing horror stories of uh, kids going outside their school community to other recreational programs that were being allowed and now they might be working out or playing under the guise of someone that is not certified as a coach or may not have first aid, may not have concussion awareness, may have not have cardiac awareness, may not have their three background clearances. So we think it's safer for the student to be in the, uh, under the guise, under the guidance, supervision of their local school and coach than it is to go out to a private uh, area private practice, private rec program. So we thought Wednesday was a big day to take uh, the handles off, so somewhat the students, so that their campuses could open up for activity. We had Senator Pat Toomey on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he had put together a group that included Jimmy Rollins. Uh, uh, the former great softball pitcher Jenny Finch and others, and one was an epidemiologist from Stanford. And he had cited, now this dealt with youth sports, so we're talking about Little League Baseball and so forth, so obviously the athletes we're talking about are older. Uh, but in that, they cited a study in Iceland where the virus, according to the study in Iceland, I can't believe, Bob, you and I are talking about studies in Iceland, but we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see, they're going to start questioning our sanity. I know. They're like, Iceland? Yeah, no, no. Bob and I are big fans of Reykjavik. Uh, but <laughs> but it's, it showed that, that, that youngsters, younger people, did not, quote, pass the virus up. That's what it showed. Uh, does, when you see stuff like that, does it give you maybe a, some semblance of confidence that, quote, we can pull this off? Oh, sure. It gives you hope. And, and you know uh, what, what that can do. Oh, yeah. Just the idea, and, and Steve, uh, you, men you mentioned earlier on the question about uh, the last few months, just 
look at the difference in your area, in Center County being green, yep. in the last 10 days. It's, it's, right. it's huge. And I'm hearing uh, a good part of the state, if not all of it, may be going green pretty soon here in the next week to 10 days. That would be tremendous because it just goes to show how quickly it changes. And getting back to the study, if young people, and you've seen the data that comes out every day from the Department of Health, I, I think do. the age group that we're talking about is 13 to 18 for the most part. It's less than 2% of those have uh, contracted this. That's a pretty small number. And, and maybe that's a number that we could manage and stay ahead of and keep everybody safe. I think that's, I think it's an important piece. And I think you've done a heck of a job with your research, man, going and getting one from Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. Uh, as soon as they, as soon as they tell me, hey. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well prepared. Well prepared. <laughs> You know me when it comes to Icelandic research. Uh, oh. So, <laughs> when, when, <laughs> how heartbreaking. I mean, it was necessary, it had to be done. But I know how much you personally care about what sports can mean to young people. How heartbreaking was the spring for you? Gut wrenching. Absolutely gut wrenching. Uh, I have two daughters that just went through the high school careers. Um, we have uh, uh, staff members here. Their, their kids are playing high school athletics, and 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 it's brutal. And then on to to not only the spring sports season itself, but then all the end of year's activities that are so important: the prom, the athletic awards, baccalaureate, graduation, all the things that go with it, the recognition of kids for their uh, four-year career of being a valedictorian or a salutatorian, you know, and, and people have come up with some creative ways, you know, with <laughs> yeah. the graduation parades and, you know, the, 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 the trunk to drive by or whatever they're calling them, people yeah. going through uh, um, drive-in theaters, going through and making a, uh, uh, um, a, a parade, so to speak. But Gee, it, it's been tough. It's not anything that I would have expected in all the years that I've been here. And, and Steve, have you ever seen anything like this? Is never, never. I know. I know. You think I went through the Spanish flu in nineteen seventeen, eighteen, Bob, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you beat me to it on that. I got the guys in the cool region the other day on that. But they're still sore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, and look, nobody's ever gone through it, so there's no playbook for this. But, again, let's go back to, say, things can be pulled off and can happen. What's it? What do you think it's going to mean just for the psyche of everybody to have some semblance of normalcy right in our own backyards, with whether it's a soccer game or whether it's a football game on a Friday night or a cross-country meet? I think it's huge. I think, and it will reinvigorate schools, schools, communities. I think schools will become a bigger center of their community activity 
like most 75% of our state being rural, many of those schools are the center of community activity anyway, but I think this will even further promote that. And what I certainly hope it promotes is pride. Pride in their local school, pride in their local community. That's important. We look at our state. We pride ourselves on on our wrestling programs, our football programs, our track and field programs, and field hockey that we had the national uh, group right down here in Lancaster for years. I mean, we have a lot of pride in all our sports, and I, I don't mean to discount anyone. I just want to keep the answer a little shorter. But our kids excel, and that's because they have good training. They're good, talented kids. They have good coaching. We have good officiating. You don't have one without the other because the chain breaks if they're if they're they're not all in the same. So I think it's going to be a renewal of a return to normal. I think it's going to be a renewal of the support of your local school community. At least I hope so. I really be- hope so. Because you and I both know, Bob, there is nothing like sports and high school sports that brings a town or an area, because obviously school districts have expanded, together. Absolutely. You don't see the fire truck waiting for the AAU team that came back from the, from the game or the championship at the shore. But you see the state champion baseball, softball, track and field team, lacrosse, whatever. Uh, last year, our state final... Uh, Central Dauphin, a local school here in the Harrisburg area, they got a, poli- a police and fire truck escort to Hershey and home. And they didn't win the game, unfortunately, for them. But just think about that. They, that's yep. a moment that I, I run into people every once in a while, and I'll, they'll say, oh, my God, it was such a great night. Mm-hmm. And yep. that, that's the memory. That's the Seals Grove baseball team. Yep. Hey, they got escorted all the way, you know, all over the place. It was one of the greatest things ever for them. Yep, and, and you know, Southern in their backyard now. It yep. seems to be a little bit old hat for them. But, you know, <laughs> when you have a guy like uh, Jim there that's coaching and has yeah. done such a great job developing a program, people want to be part of it. And I don't blame them. Success breeds happiness. Yeah, there's no question. Well, my friend, you know the great respect I have for you. It's great to have you with us. And, you know, it's been so many tough decisions, I think, so far. You've navigated it so well. And uh, let's let's see how this all plays out. I think it's going to play out really well. We're hopeful. We really are. And we see that you're opening up your campus up there August 24th. That's a big step. And I think, uh, you know, those little victories keep adding up. And we're really hopeful. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I'm with you all the way on that. Hey, Bob, thanks so much. much. It's great to have you. Thanks for the time. Our pleasure. Be well. And I love the research on Iceland. You win. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Bob. Dr. Robert Lombardi, Bob Lombardi, PIAA. Uh, He's he's one of the really good guys out there. Look, the PIAA can be obviously an easy target to talk about, you know, when, it, when it's an organization. But it doesn't mean they're not run by really good people. That, that look, they he really cares. He really cares. All right. Are you going to agree with every decision they make? No, of course not. 
I mean, the only one that whose decision everybody agrees with all the time is the guy that was recently profiled in the uh, Daily Item. Uh, <laughs> who was that, by the way? Well, that'd be the suit. You're going to have to send me a copy of this article. Because you know me. Because you know me. When I go to the library... I always go right to the area where they have fiction. Back with more in a moment. <laughs> it's right here, 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applications applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors. And thanks to Bob Lombardi for being on the show. Baird now joins us from Sealands Grove. Baird, how are you today? I am well, Steve. I trust you are also. I I am. Thanks for asking, Baird. I appreciate that. I'll be quick because I know you're going to be going to a place here shortly. Um, I'm a season ticket holder for football. Uh, and I'm sure that Sandy Barber and a, and a key group of people are working diligently on figuring out ultimately what the plan will be for whether or not they allow um, ticket holders to attend games and at, at, at what volume. Um, any thoughts, or I, and I'm sure there's a million moving parts involved with this, but any thoughts on when they may make that announcement? Well, I think, Bear, the first step was announcing on Sunday night and into Monday morning that the students would be back on campus for fall semester beginning August 24th. And there'll be some select, you know, second summer session. So in stages, you've had the football players allowed back, and they're now in their, into their workouts. They're doing workouts three days a week in Haluba, and then today's a running day. And then the next stage will be the second group with Micah and those guys and Noah Kane and so forth coming back on Sunday. The next step was obviously making sure that they they said yes to having students back on campus. That was a big step toward playing games in the fall because, as Sandy Barber said on the show back in March, one of the keys would be having students on campus. If students are are allowed to be back on campus, there's a feeling there's a safety for them to be there, then it's safe for the student-athletes to be there. Now the next step is going to be what you talked about, opening up the stadium, and then determining what is the safest procedure as to how many people would be allowed in and what procedures that will be in place. And that includes everything from tailgating to being in the stadium. Some people have announced, for example, Ohio State originally said twenty to 22,000. Then they, then they threw out the number 50. You're like, okay. Uh, you had 
Iowa saying they intend to play in front of everybody. Ole Miss saying they intend to play in front of everybody. Well, and Penn State hasn't made that announcement yet because they haven't had to make the announcement yet. The first thing they had to do was have the university discuss what the university was doing with fall students, and now that part has been taken care of, which now leads us to your question, which will be, I think, the next thing they, they will come out with. Okay. Um, I can't fathom that they'll have 107,000 folks attend those games, so I'm sure it will be complicated to figure out how many it's safe. To be honest with you, I really don't want to go to the games. Um, I would rather uh, defer uh, my seats to uh, somebody else for this coming year. So one of my questions is going to be for those of us who elect sports or are chosen not to, we're not going to lose our seat opportunity. I hope. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't answer that question. I know it's a question that obviously is going to be asked by somebody at some point about that because that's a very important question, especially with somebody who's been a long-time loyal season ticket holder such as yourself, Baird. So that's something to obviously that's they'll, they'll get to and cross that bridge. So I think step one is saying how many people they feel comfortable having in the stadium. Then the next step after that will be how you want to go about doing it. And then, of course, talking about a situation such as yours. So everything goes in steps. Getting the students back on campus starting August 24th was a big step to then open the door for the steps that you're talking about. All right. One half hour to go here on the show. Um, You're going to text me that article? Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Some great deals out there right now. Check out the great line of Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Head online at sunburymotors.com. So, uh, Richard Dice, who does a great job for The Athletic before that with Sports Illustrated when it comes to covering media, put together... a survey of fans on the NFL. They had 2,693 responses. Okay? So this is what his survey of nearly 2,700 people said. What broadcasting team among the top teams at each network is your favorite? 57% said CBS, Jim Nance, Tony Romo. 28% Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth. 9.4% Joe Buck, Troy Aikman. And then on radio, Kevin Harlan and Kurt Warner on Westwood won 5%. They did not want to include the ESPN broadcast team because Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarlane are not coming back. That's why they weren't included. Which network do you prefer when it comes to your game broadcasts? 
40% said CBS. 35% said NBC. Fox got 21%. Then ESPN, actually NFL Network had more responses, by the way, than ESPN did. NFL Network did better. This is my surprise face. (laughs) Great. Just saying. Who do you consider to be the NFL's best color analyst? 74.1% said Tony Romo. Chris Collinsworth was next at 13%. Then after that, other finished third. No, check it. I'm sorry. My apologies. Troy Aikman finished third, which he should have. Or, you know, ahead of other, obviously. A little bit for Kurt Warner. Charles Davis, our friend Charles Davis, whom I've termed as one of the nicest guys on the planet, <laughs> which he is, was actually on here. It's good. And Charles has made the move over to CBS, by the way. He's going to be paired up with Iron Eagle. That should be a great pairing. I think that's going, to, that's going to be a great pairing for the NFL. It's going to be a great pairing for CBS. Who is the best play-by-play guy? 43%, 42.7% said Al Michaels. As they should. Jim uh, Nance at 18%. It was second. Joe Buck was third, 15.2%. Kevin Harlan had 14%. Then after that, Ian Eagle... And then Kevin Burkhart. Other also was in there. Sideline reporter is best. 28% said Aaron Andrews of Fox. Uh, Michelle Tafoya was second. Actually, check that. I'm sorry. Michelle Tafoya was first. 28.1%. Uh, but, but, but hold on a second. I'm gonna... Even split. Aaron Andrews had 28.1% Fox. Michelle Tafoya, 25.4% NBC. Tracy Wolfson, 15.2%. Pam Oliver, 14.1% from Fox. Which pregame show is the best? Can I pick none? I don't watch pregame shows. I don't. I don't watch any pregame shows. Yes, I, I I know. You do, right? I do. I love Fox. Suteroni is a big CBS guy uh, because of Bill Cower. Um, in fact, they always refer to him as coach on the show, and he hasn't coached anything in over a decade. Um, I don't even think he's coached Little League, has he? Nope. Just kidding, Suit. Which pregame show is the best? The winner, with 32.3%, is Fox. In second was NBC with Mike Tirico, Tony Dungy, Rodney Harrison. Third, hold on a second here. I mean, I think it's actually first is Fox. Kurt Menefee, Terry Bradshaw, Jimmy Johnson, Howie Long, Michael Strahan. Second is NFL Network. Rich Eisen, Michael Irvin, Steve Mariucci, and Kurt Warner. 
Third is NBC, Tariko Dungy and Harrison. And fourth is the one the suit watches. <laughs> James Brown, Nate Burleson, Boomer Size, and Phil Sims, and Coach Cower. They finish fourth, 15%. Which current NFL quarterback would make the best broadcaster? 49% said Drew Brees. 17% said Phillip Rivers. 13% said said Russell Wilson. He'd be very good. 12% said Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady had a sliver. What percentage of an NFL pregame show should be dedicated to sports gambling information? 39% said up to 10%. 22% said up to 20%. 29% said zero. What percentage of a game broadcast should be dedicated to sports gambling information? 51.3% said zero. 37.7% said up to 10%. Now remember, we just went through, it was only five games. But the XFL had a lot of gambling stuff on over-unders, point spreads, things like that. So at least we've had an experiment with it in-game. And, you know, 51.3% said zero. Now, they feel better about the pregame show, but not during the game. Should every NFL broadcast include a rules analyst 82.6% said yes really I would say no 17.4% said no which rules analyst does the best job I think it's it's going to be a pretty obvious one 48.5% Mike Pereira of Fox Gene Steratore, second, 27.6%. Dean Blandino, third, 18.2%. Then a sliver each for Terry McCauley of NBC and John Perry of ESPN. I think John Perry, by the way, is very good. I love, love Gene Steratore. He'd be my number one. I was kidding. When Dean was doing, uh, excuse me, when Gene was doing basketball, I said, uh, I said, you know, I knew his father a little bit. And, and so he got a, yeah, because Gene's from Western Pennsylvania, you know. I did down, know that. Down, yeah, down in Washington County, something like that. And, um, and I think that, you know, so we were able to talk all the time about his dad. And I'd kid him. I said, you got a little more hair than your dad ever did. He goes, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Which network do you prefer when it comes to coverage of the NFL draft? 54.8% said ESPN. Hmm. 39.8% said NFL Network. And by the way, Trey Wingo, and his contract is really squirrely right now. How could a guy have his contract be a little bit squirrely when you see the job he did for three days in the NFL draft? 
I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Agreed. Do you think the national TV announcers root against your team? Do you think they root against the Eagles? No. Now, if we were bringing the suit in, the suit thinks they're anti-everything. Oh, yeah. You know. 87.2% said no. Only 12.8% said yes. What technical innovation has made the biggest impact on your viewing experience? So, for you, what is it? Honestly, it's hard. It's hard to say. I like all sorts of different ones. I, I actually I like the Skycam to a point for the all twenty two look. I, I'd probably just say the goal line. Okay. Fifty six point one percent said the yellow first down marker. Thirty two point eight percent said the red zone channel. Then a sliver said pylon cam, and a sliver said mic'd up referees to explain penalties. So there you go. That was the athletics survey. Richard Deich put it together. They love Romo. You love Romo. He's really hit the ground running. He's done a great job. But my pairing would be Al Michaels, Troy Aikman, and Michelle Tafoya for the side. See, I like, just so you know, I, I, I like Aikman, but I really like Chris Collinsworth. I think Chris Collinsworth does a great job. And I really, I, I think each network of the three major, the three major networks, let's leave ESPN out of it because. They don't deserve they, to be in the conversation right they, now when they, it comes they, to they, the NFL football. You know, ever since Mike left, I'm talking about Tariko. It, yes. It's been a struggle. Okay. Uh, and by the way, Sean McDonough deserved more than of a chance than he got. Uh, I am a big Sean McDonough guy. Um, but I think when you look at the three major networks in the NFL, Jim Nance, Al Michaels, and Joe Buck are all outstanding. I think Troy Aikman, Chris Collinsworth, and Tony Romo are all outstanding. I think the viewer does not lose when their team is on one of the big three networks. I don't think you lose anything. I think all of them have excellent play-by-play people, and I think all of them have excellent analysts. Romo's Romo's interesting, and this is where I get... And Jim Nance should get a lot of credit for this. Jim Nance has done a great job of giving Tony Romo room to operate. And I think Jim Nance has done some of his best play-by-play work with Tony Romo. It just seems to be a real punch and enthusiasm to what's going on. And I think that as a play-by-play person, and you know, and we've talked about this before, because I've, I've, ta- I've talked about this with, I think if you listen to the Penn State broadcast, Dick Girardi, who's going to be on the show later in the week because we have the Belmont Stakes is this week. Dick's uh, going to join us later in the week, Thursday or Friday. It might be Friday. Talk about the Belmont. 
But I think people will notice on the basketball broadcast, Dick may talk more than any other analyst out there on radio. And there's a reason for that. Because I think people want to hear what he has to say because he's so good. I'm not paid by the word. I'm not paid by the word. And the same thing in football. I mean, I've told the story about, uh, this is over 20 years ago. Jack and I were doing a game at Three Rivers Stadium. And in the first half, he was rushing, rushing, rushing. So we got the half. That's the only time we've ever talked about this. Only time. And I said to him, and he said, can I talk to you for a second? And he, goes, and he said, sure. I said, why are you rushing so much? He said, like he says, he said, well, he said, I just want to make sure you get it back in time. I said, who cares about that? I said, I said, everybody wants to hear what you have to say. Right? Everybody wants to hear what you have to say. Uh, same thing with Dick. I said, I can take it from wherever. If you go shorter, I can do more. If you go, it doesn't matter. And I think when you, when you got two people out there, yeah, there's a defined role up to a point. But there's it's in this case two guys. I mean, I've worked with Doris Burke before and other people, right? But in this case, two guys watching a game together talking. I think it's a more enjoyable experience for the listener and the viewer. And I think Jim Nance has done that with Tony Romo. I think he's given him. That he knows, like I do, I I'm working with gifted people. He knows he's working with somebody that's a, a gifted individual as an analyst, and he's taking all their strengths. I think, and and Jim should get a lot of credit for that. A lot of credit for that. All right, take a break. We'll wrap it up in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors. you see this uh, story about uh, New York Giants kicker Aldrich Rosas? He was arrested in jail for misdemeanor hit and run and driving on a suspended license, according to the California Highway Patrol. Uh-oh. Alcohol... No, listen to this. Alcohol impairment is believed to be a factor in the crash. Okay? Rosas was driving a black Chevy SUV when... A T-bone collision occurred. Witnesses saw Rosas driving erratically over the double yellow lines at a speed estimated at 100 miles per hour when he ran a red light and hit a pickup truck. Rosas attempted to drive away from the scene of the crash before the vehicle became disabled. He exited and fled the scene on foot without shoes, according to the police report. Now listen to this. Yeah, I left out one part because I want to put it here at the end. Alcohol impairment is believed to be a factor in the crash. The crash occurred at 8.25 in the morning. Oh, my. Someone either had a quick start to the day or had a long Long night. Long night, yeah. (laughs) Um, Rosas made the Pro Bowl a couple of years ago. Um, and last year had kind of a down year. 
He was 12 of 17. The year before, he was 32 of 33. It's the second Giants player arrested in the offseason. DeAndre Baker currently faces eight counts of armed robbery and aggravated assault with a firearm from an incident in Florida last month. You must be so that, proud of your favorite NFL team. That just it doesn't sound good. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. <laughs> they need 40 Saquon Barkley's at every position. <laughs> yes. Because right now, for the Eagles, they're two wins. Yes. So that's one of the, what's been such a big plus for the Patriots over the years. They start every season knowing they're going to be 5-1. and one. Now, I'll give one of those three teams a chance to beat them once. But, I mean, imagine starting the year. You're 5-1, and one, just in your own division. Not so this year. Lamar Jackson, by the way, admitted in an interview they probably took the Tennessee Titans or underestimated the Tennessee Titans. They caught us by surprise. Now, why would you say that? That's a young mind learning it right there. That's a a rookie mistake as far as media goes. He says... um, that's what happened in the playoffs when he ended up losing with a team that people had his favorite over. It's any given Sunday. You can't un- underestimate any team, no opponent. That's what we did. They caught us by surprise. That's all it was. Because remember, the offensive numbers the, the Ravens rang up that night were incredible. Except for two interceptions, a lost fumble. He said that shouldn't happen. Tennessee came out to play. You know, I always find it interesting. I know the Ravens have won the Super Bowl before, but this is a new group, essentially. So, essentially, the other group of players, they haven't, quote, won anything before. So you would think with the opportunity, they'd be the hungriest